Let's take just a moment of prayer before the message this morning. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I would ask that these words and meditation be pleasing in your sight. I would ask that you would speak powerfully, that your Holy Spirit would do its work through your word, touching our hearts and renewing our minds. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Easter. Most people think Easter is just a day in the year. And quite frankly, to even mention Easter or an Easter journey, doesn't that seem like such a long time ago? Like Easter was a ways away. Why talk about Easter now? But you see, for those who of us are in Christ Jesus, Easter shouldn't be just a day. We should actually be living our lives in the Easter message, in the Easter hope that we have in Christ Jesus through his death and through his resurrection. We don't have just an Easter hope once a year, but it's each and every day. And so we are to be renewed each and every day and certainly each time of worship in that hope that we have, the living hope in Christ Jesus. But you know what? That's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do to live in that Easter hope. Because quite frankly, as we go about the, our weeks, as we go about our days, we all have our failures. We have things that we don't live up to along the way. And those things tend to weigh us down. And we start to think about the failures from yesterday and how those are connected to last week and last month and last year and decades ago. And all of those failures weigh down on us greatly. And our identity starts to become our failure rather than our identity in Christ Jesus. You see, the reality of our failures becomes our identity rather than the reality of redemption in Christ Jesus. We say our identity is a failure versus our identity as one who is redeemed in Christ. Therefore, each Sunday, you and I need to come again and again to his word to be renewed, to be strengthened. Because otherwise, everything else is just going to fall and weigh us down. I want you to think about Peter a little bit. Think about how many failures he had as he walked along with Jesus. Do you remember there was one where Jesus actually had to rebuke him? Jesus was saying that he was going to have to suffer and then die. And Peter rebuked Jesus. Let it never be so, Lord. And what did Jesus tell Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then at the Last Supper, Peter boasted that he would be willing to lay down his life for Jesus. But in the Gospel of Mark, it says this, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, 
This very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. But we know what happens, right? Just hours later, around a charcoal fire, Peter denies Jesus three times. And by the time of the third denial, I want you to get this. By the time of the third denial, his denial escalates so greatly. It says this. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Listen to how emphatic that is. He began to invoke a curse upon himself. It's as if he said, if I have done this or that, if I have ever been a disciple of Jesus, may God strike me dead. I mean, that's basically the the type of curse that he is invoking upon himself. And the more and more he denies Jesus, the louder he proclaims that he, Peter, is a liar. Think of all those things that Peter has done and failed Christ, especially now that he's failed him. That weighs one down. But this morning, we're going to see how Jesus takes Peter, how Jesus takes you and me and restores us in a new identity. So let's go to our reading from this morning. We first start with our old identity. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So they are out of the boat. They're on the shore. They are around a charcoal fire eating fish. We don't know how long they've been there. We don't know how much has been said or not been said but this is going to be a story of redemption, a story of forgiveness. And I want you to note something. Peter had denied Jesus around a charcoal fire at night, hadn't he? Jesus kind of brings him back to the scene of the denial, but rather at night around a charcoal fire, they're around that fire during the daytime, from darkness to light. And he calls out to Peter in a very different way. He doesn't say Peter, does he? He says, Simon, son of John. Now, Simon, son of John, was an earthly designation. Here's here's what he says. When Peter, when Jesus met Peter very early on in the gospel, he actually changes Peter's name. He says, you are Simon, the son of John, right? That's your identity right now. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So there's the old identity, Simon, son of John, and the new identity, Peter. But here around the charcoal fire, Jesus addresses him by his old name, the formal name, Simon, son of John. Now, when you were growing up, did your parents ever use your full name when they called you? So my middle name is James. So if my mom or dad would say, Clayton James Wilfer, get in here, 
it was a call to action. And uh, it was not necessarily the most um, gentle call to action, because in that respect, I was probably in trouble. But when you say your full name, right, it gets your attention. So here's a question I have for you. When you hear God calling you, what name do you hear him use? Is it your old name or is it a new name? Jesus used Peter's old name, Simon, son of John. He does this to remind Peter who he was, his old nature, before being in Christ. Let's go back to scripture a little bit. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or literally Simon, the son of John. The exact same name that Jesus uses with Peter, Simon, son of John, around the charcoal fire. It's that earthly formal designation, the one who is fallen in sin, fallen by nature. And in the Gospel of Matthew, he's saying, even though you, Simon, son of John, are fallen, even though you are a sinful man, God the Father, in his grace, has blessed you with insight, with insight of knowing who I am. See, and now you, Simon, Barjona, Simon, son of John, you're going to have a new identity. And you are going to have a new identity in me. And I'm going to give you a new name. Jesus said to him, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yeah, you are Simon Barjona, but now, knowing who I am, you're Peter. See, we need to realize this, that apart from God, our old nature reigns. But in Christ Jesus, we have a new nature. We have a new identity. We have a new name, a new identity in Christ. Do you know what your new name, your new identity in Christ? It is this, redeemed. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are made new. Now, at some point, you probably got a glimpse of this. You went, wow, I know who Christ is, and I know who I am in Christ Jesus. But then we go along our week, right? And we go along, and those fears and those failures, those doubts, they weigh on us. And so what Jesus does with Peter, he gets his attention by using his old name. Not to add more guilt, by the way. That's not the point. He's not adding or piling on more guilt. He's actually giving Peter 
a time to reflect, to repent, and thus be forgiven and restored. This is what he's doing. Maybe for you this morning, it's a time to come to the Lord, to confess, to repent, and be restored, and to be renewed in that identity that you have in Christ Jesus. And this is how he restores him in his new identity. This is how Peter is renewed. Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So here's the question for you. What does Jesus mean when he says, do you love me more than these? What's the these? Is referring to the fish, (laughs) the food that they're eating? To the boat? Uh, I don't think it's a what. I think it's a who. Do you love me more than your brother who's sitting right next to you? Do you love me more than these men who are like your brothers, who you worked and toiled with? Do you love me more than the other disciples? I mean, think what kind of question that is. Do you love me more than your brother? If I were to ask you, do you love Jesus more than your, more than your husband or wife? More than your son or daughter? More than your mother or father? More than your friends or family or loved ones? I mean, that's quite a question, isn't it? It is a question that really kind of grips us. I mean, Jesus is putting Simon, son of John, Peter, on the spot. He says, will you publicly declare your love for me and have that be greater than anything else, anyone else in your life? Do you love me more than these? Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, before we go any further on this, I want to make sure we are delineating some things that aren't going to show up for you unless you take a look at the original language in the Greek. So there are two words for love that we have. One is agape, and the the other is philio. So agape is the self-sacrificial love. Agape is more of a brotherly love, or I'm sorry, filio is the brotherly love or affection. So we got Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. So there are two different types of love that's being used. Jesus is saying agape, 
Peter responds with uh, with filio. Now, look, I want to be fair. There are a lot of commentators that say, look, there's really no difference between the two. Uh, They're just two different words that mean love. And we don't have to make a big deal out of this. Now, there's a whole other set of commentators that say, no, what? There really is a difference between the two. And because two different words are used, we should take a look and we should understand that there's a difference. I happen to fall in the second camp. I think there really is a difference. And here's why I think there's a difference. When you take a look at any command or principle that is laid down in the Old Testament and the New Testament, talking about love, it's agape love. Love God, love your neighbor. It's it's that type of love that is the self-sacrificial love. Love one another, that's agape love. Even love your enemies. All of these words demand agape love. So I think that because the two words are used and that they are different We need to pay attention to that because Jesus is talking to Simon, son of John. He is talking to Peter. He is saying, do you love me in the self-sacrificial way? And Peter responds, I have affection for you. You can see that there's a difference between these two things. So Jesus says, do you agape? Do you love me? Peter responds, I have affection for you. Jesus says, do you agape? Do you love me? Peter says, I have affection for you. Finally, at the third time, Jesus says, do you have affection for me? That's really what he's saying, because Jesus then uses the word filio. And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I have affection for you. You see, this word, love, really does strike to the heart, doesn't it? It, lay bears, bears, it lays bare many different things. And what I want you to notice is that Jesus did not try to restore Peter with an improved Peter. He didn't use psychology. He didn't use motivational quotes. He didn't go through a speech. He didn't do anything like that, not philosophy. See, the goal wasn't to make Peter simply feel better. The goal wasn't to make an improved Peter. The goal was to restore him to a new life and a new identity. That's why we had our reading from 2 Corinthians this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new creation, not an improved creation, not a better version, but a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, we are renewed, we are made new through repentance and forgiveness of sins in faith in Christ Jesus, knowing him as Lord and Savior. This is why 
I don't preach psychology. This is why I don't preach motivational quotes or anything like that, because I know ultimately that's not what Jesus did. That's not what God does. It's about love, isn't it? And this love goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, this is what's called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Peter had confessed, I'm sorry, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus, with each question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Brings him back and restores him in a way that only Christ can can restore. You and I, we need to cling in faith to the love that Christ has for us because his love is so great. So the question for you this morning is, do you love Jesus? No, 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 no. Do you love Jesus? Hold on. Do you love Jesus more than these? That's the question, isn't it? You see, when we stop justifying ourselves and our actions, when we come before him seeking his forgiveness of our sins, we are then restored in our new identity. And that one question again and again just strips away all of our justification until we finally also must get to the point, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus takes Peter and through love, Restores him. And now he restores him, not for the sake of just sitting there. There's also work to do. Because from our old nature to our new identity in Christ, there is work to do. So let's continue on with our reading. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now I have to admit, before I had matured uh, in my understanding of Scripture, when I would read these words, I always thought of more of the material like feed the sheep, you know? Make sure that people have the food. Make sure that people have shelter. Make sure that uh, people have clothing. You know, all of the material things that go along with that. I mean, this is important, right? We are told to love your neighbor. And what is it to love your neighbor is you are to Make sure that those things are taken care of. That they do have food, they do have clothing, they do have shelter. So all of these things are important, but I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's going to a command of a much greater 
nature. And this is about the spiritual care of tending the flock. Jesus, the good shepherd, he says, Peter, you're going to be a shepherd now. You're going to have to feed the sheep. You're going to have to tend to them or shepherd them. So this is not just about food. It is about the care of their souls. And this is hard for people because people either want to do one or the other. They either want to just care for the souls and be spiritual apart from the world, or they just want to take care of the physical needs and not even think about the the spiritual. But no, it's got to be both. And in Christ's eyes, he says, this is important, and yet eternal life is even greater than the food that you eat. With the crowds, John chapter 6, verse 35, he had fed them, right? He gave them uh, bread and fish to eat, and they had been filled. But then he says to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So yes, you can have your fill of things, but unless you have your fill of Christ Jesus, you will always be hungry, you will always be thirsty, you will not have the eternal life for which you seek. You see, it wasn't the food around the campfire that restored, Je- restored Peter, was it? It was Christ Jesus restoring Peter and his identity from the spiritual manner. And what Jesus is saying is, Peter, what I have done to you and how you are restored in me and have a new life in me, do the same now with the flock. Do that with the flock that I've given you. And so this is a call for all pastors. We are not just to be social workers. We are to care for the flock and the spiritual nature the spiritual nourishment of the flock. But I also want to point out here that the understanding of this is it's never been solely the pastor's role. It is the church at large that is to have this role because if it's only the pastors, we will fail. Our mission is making disciples of all nations. And thus you and I together are to give spiritual care. Now you might be saying, well, hold on. I didn't sign up for official ministry like that. And it's true, you probably haven't. But if you are a parent, you you actually have a spiritual role for your children, mothers and fathers. If you're married, you have a spiritual role in your marriage. If you are to love your neighbor, that too has a spiritual component. So we are all together, not just the pastor, but the church at large to do the spiritual care for the lost. So from our old nature, we are given a new identity and in that identity, we are called to the spiritual work of tending and feeding the sheep. And so I want to point out here, we are called in our own way and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit to feed and nourish the the sheep. Not everybody's going to have the same gift. Not everybody's going to have the same inclination. And yet 
That is our task. And you and I are to follow Christ no matter what. So, verse 18. Jesus says, truly, truly. So this is very solemn. He says to Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one whom also leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, Lord, who is it who had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will, he remain until I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Look, there's a whole message in this particular section of verses. Uh, We're not going to cover it all. I just want to point out a couple things. One, Jesus said that Peter would die in a certain manner. And what he is describing is a crucifixion. So, Jesus already forewarns Peter that following Christ is going to lead to a death. A death that uh, is very hard, very painful. So that's one thing. And then Peter talking about John. John never really calls himself out, but that's got to be John here, right? The one whom Jesus loved. And um, Peter's like, well, what about that guy? Is he going to follow you? Is, is he supposed to come along? And you and I want to do that. We say, well, what about the rest of the church? Well, what about other people? I mean, shouldn't they follow you too? And that's the question, right? Would you follow Jesus even if nobody else did? Would you follow Christ? Would you stand alone and follow him even if nobody else did? And this is the call he gives to Peter. And I think we can all learn from this call that we are each to follow, focus on following Jesus no matter what others do or don't do. We are to focus on following Jesus no matter where he leads no matter the cost. That's the new identity we have in following Jesus of being his disciple, no matter the cost. So a couple questions for you this morning. What type of love do you have for Jesus? How are you called and gifted for feeding the sheep? And are you willing to follow Jesus no matter where he leads you? So this morning, whatever fears, whatever failures you have, come to Christ, confess them, be renewed. Remember that you have a new name, a new identity in Christ Jesus. It is redeemed. Cling to the love which Christ has for you. Follow him. Share his words with others. That's the message for this morning. That's the encouragement this morning. And with that, everyone says, Amen. 
We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.